0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. I've always been fascinated by the human voice, which experts say is as unique to each person as their fingerprint. In these podcasts, we celebrate the human voice in all its wonderfully diverse forms, young and old, different accents and cultural contexts. Writers sometimes struggle to find their own voice but you can kind of tell when someone is speaking from a place of authenticity and integrity. That's when I most love listening to voices. Thank you for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston. This special documentary project, Resilient Nurses, is supported by the Compassionate Care Initiative at the University of Virginia School of Nursing and by the Humankind Program Fund.
1: When
2: I worked with um, groups of nurses, um, they are people who give, 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 and um, taking care of themselves is almost a foreign idea, a foreign concept
0: how nurses can balance their compassionate nature with healthy practices to take care of themselves. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Most health professionals are quite well-meaning and truly caring people, Happen to work in one of the most stressful professions in the world. Without adequate self care, they risk burnout. Warning signs include emotional exhaustion, alienation from job related activities, and reduced performance. They face routine workplace tension, but also may need to handle a sudden public health emergency like Ebola. And of course, they have to process the emotional roller coaster of caring for patients in trouble. Chris Griffin, a nurse educator in Aurora, Colorado, says some of her colleagues handle their stress in conventional ways.
3: There's drinking. Um, I definitely see um, nurses cope in that way. You know, um, you leave a hard shift and four or five nurses will look at each other and they'll be like, we need a drink. Where are we all going together? Um, overeating is definitely a coping mechanism. I definitely have used that before. You go home and you just you gorge on, and you're not even thinking. It's really just kind of squashing emotions. Um it's all about how do I cope with what I've just survived or lived through.
0: These responses to a hard day at the clinic are unsurprising among mere mortals. Healthcare providers must negotiate a frustrating real-world obstacle course of egos and institutional dysfunction. At the same time, an experience of stress is partly determined by how we view it. Difficult circumstances, attitude may be the only thing we control. Nursing experts say it's possible to reframe how challenges are perceived in a way that can leave nurses feeling empowered. So I went in search of some specialists who've thought and written deeply about this. One is Janet Quinn, a nurse and counselor based in Lyons, Colorado.
4: As soon as I was able, as soon as I was legally able, I was out of the house and working in hospitals. So I became a candy striper. Then I became, once I was old enough, a nurse's aide. Then I went off to Hunter College City University of New York to become a nurse, but worked every chance I got. So then I became an LPN because I could take my boards and so on, I mean, it's it's been my trajectory for my whole life is to do this. There are times when I still think, that I was the best nurse I ever was when I was a nurse's aide. And why I think that is that those were the days when what I had most of all to offer people was just me and time. That as a nurse's aide, I could go and I could be with them and I could give them a long, slow bed bath and I could soak their feet in a basin of water and I could put powder between their toes and I could look at them eye to eye and I could listen to their stories and when i left that room i would leave someone who was resting and happy and felt seen and felt heard and felt nurtured and those are the things in the end that every human being needs they need to know they're seen they're heard they matter and that's takes some time and it's what is missing we we ask the question what is burning out nurses, what is causing the suffering in nurses. Sometimes we want to reduce that to a phenomena that people are studying called compassion fatigue. Oh, they care so much they just get burned out. But you know what? It's the opposite of that. It's that nurses are working in systems that keep them from having these moments with people a caring occasion, a moment where two people see each other and meet in a place that is beyond time and space, but in the place of the heart.
0: Janet was chatting with me in Boulder, Colorado, in the dining room of her friend Jean Watson, former dean of the University of Colorado Nursing School and also an expert on stress concerns for nurses.
5: What we have just heard is the vibration from a Nepalese singing bowl, uh, where this singing bowl has been calibrated to the vibrations of the human heart. And I use it symbolically, energetically, and metaphorically that the nature of this work in caring and healing takes us back to the heart of our profession, the heart of our humanity, and the source of alignment for right relation, as Janet would say, in terms of healing and coming to a higher level of consciousness for our own healing, for our own truth.
0: That starts, says Jean Watson, with developing a measure of compassion for oneself. If you care for others, whether as a health professional or in ordinary life, that care must be drawn from an inner reservoir of love, which he believes is natural to all human beings. She likes the Latin term for this, caritas.
5: Well, for me and for the work that I'm doing with nurses, it means developing your own practice. You have to take time for yourself. You have to have some kind of practice, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's nature, whether it's journaling, whether it's poetry, art, literature. You have to learn to pause to reconnect with yourself and your source. What do you do? I meditate And I also do this heart-centered practice. I'm working now with HeartMath Institute, which is a research institute in California. They've pulled together a lot of the Heart-Brain Institute work, showing that the heart sends more messages to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. The source of our caring and compassion is in our heart. So if we shut our hearts down, we become these you know, hard hard on yourselves, hard on our hearts. So I practice and what we're teaching nurses now in practicing caring and this loving kindness is basically to just a very simple approach. It's called a coherence approach. And you just pause and breathe and you fall into your heart center and you visualize your heart opening up with softness and tenderness and you bring to your heart center an awareness of compassion, gratitude, love, those higher vibration feelings, even forgiveness. So just by opening up and feeling those feelings in your heart, it opens up your heart and prepares you to reach out to that person in a different way. It prepares you to love yourself in a different way, to accept yourself, to have compassion with yourself, to forgive yourself for all the expectations you have on yourself. And so that simple practice, but also this work is showing that when you have that kind of heart-centered vibration from your heart energetically, it can be detected eight to ten feet beyond you at least.
0: It can be detected?
5: Detected. There is a field that's created in those caring moments.
0: So does that mean a sensitive person would somehow notice Mm -hmm. that somebody had opened their heart?
5: Well, when you walk into a patient's room or you walk into a unit of the hospital, you can tell when there's tension, where there's anger, where there's lower vibration energy. You walk into a room that has soothing, calming, healing energy. It's because the humans in that system, in that culture, are creating that. So I've been talking about creating a Caritas conspiracy for nurses to just actually practice. So when they start their meetings like this with a pause, when they pause before they go into the patient's room to fall into that heart-centered space so that when they open that door, they seek to see who is that spirit-filled person and bring that caring and compassion and be able to give it out from your heart center, it helps you from being depleted. So you're not drained all the time, it's what Janet was talking about. It's not compassion fatigue, it's because we haven't created opportunities and self-care practices to deal with the stress of these demanding systems in such a way that we re the field in which we are practicing.
0: This approach to well-being requires a shift in how we view the entire mission of healthcare. Jean Watson has developed an approach steeped in what she calls caring science. It's based on the perspective that everyone, all things, are ultimately interconnected, and that this is naturally expressed through compassion. Dr. Janet Quinn, the nurse and counselor we heard earlier, makes an additional point. She emphasizes health care based in healing the whole person as much as the curing of diseases. She says it requires a fresh look at how we handle the slings and arrows of daily life.
4: So in the traditional stress management model, if we can use that language, um, what it's about is figuring out what are the things you need to do to take care of yourself away from where you experienced the stressor so that you can come back into the place where you experienced the stressor renewed. It's like that, so you you need to eat well and sleep well and exercise well and et cetera, et cetera, all of which are great things because we are physical beings, we need those sorts of things. But what can happen is when that's the model that we use, it can become yet another stressor. So now not only am I stressed at my work, but now I'm a failure at managing my stress. And I think what we're trying to do with the caring healing framework is we don't want to manage stress at all. We want to be in the situations in which we find ourselves in a new way so that we're not experiencing so much stress. That's really the ticket. And the way that we do that is to really help nurses learn a new skill set. We're not taught as nurses, as physicians, as healthcare professionals, as human beings. How to work with our own consciousness and how much impact we can have on our experience of a present reality based on what our own mind is telling us, what its story is, what its reactivity is.
0: The first step, says Janet Quinn, is simply learning to pull back and gain a broader perspective. It means making a conscious choice not to get caught up in the aggravations of the moment, which can be intense and to realize that one can view things through a different lens.
4: So there's a skill set that's missing that needs to be Uh, uh, given and offered. And that skill set is learning to stop in a moment. First of all, recognizing something's happening here. I can feel that I'm tight as I'm absolutely wound up. I can feel I'm not breathing. My jaw is tight. So the first thing that I do when I'm working with nurses around this is to help them identify what are the cues that you can pay attention to in your own body, mind, spirit that tell you, whoa, stop right here because you are in danger of getting drained right here. Once you recognize what your own cue is, wow, I know that for me, it's my stomach gets really, really tight. And when I notice that, I can go, oh, okay, I can stop in that moment. I can take a breath, and I can come back to myself, back to center. The emphasis of the work that I do with nurses is to learn to be in a different way in the very moment that you're experiencing the stress so that you transform it right there. You don't have to go home with it and do your ritual to drop it and leave it. You don't have to leave the unit so that you can put down the patience. You can learn in a moment, right there, take a breath, come back to center, invite the presence of of unconditional love and compassion in you, and then proceed from there. And that is an enormously helpful healing thing for anybody to do. And it takes a moment, it's a breath.
0: Stepping back, Janet Quinn says it allows people to reassess how they're thinking and feeling. Just to survive the day, most of us develop ways to tune stressors out, which can be a healthy approach to staying focused on tasks that need to be done. But sometimes, she says, that can go too far and people become cold to what's really happening or they can fall into the opposite trap of reacting to everything even if that takes a heavy toll.
4: It's being open in an overly attached way or it's being shut down. Those are the two I call it. One is the defensive mode where you've completely shut down. That's exhausting. The other is the the sympathetic mode where you've just kind of bled all over, you know, oh, you poor thing, and let all of this kind of very heavy sympathy energy go. Those two modes will exhaust you. But there's a mistake that people make, and that is to to think that the way that you can resolve this sense of being drained and exhausted by the work is to shut down and protect yourself this notion that you have to disengage is the way that you stay whole and healthy and it's actually the opposite you one actually has to learn how to be actively engaged in a way that one is being almost an instrument for the healing that
0: occurs and then let it go, letting go of the outcome. Healthy detachment frees people up, Janet says. It doesn't mean not caring, but it's a way to experience the present without getting caught up in the outcome, which is often out of our control anyway. And for nurses, there's a clear-cut way to punctuate the act of letting go.
4: Absolutely how you end every physical encounter with patients is you wash your hands. But you can wash your hands mindlessly, while you're thinking about the next thing you have to do, rush, 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 wash your hands, wash your hands. Or you can turn on the faucet, you can put your hands under the water, you can carefully wash your hands, and with it, invoke a release.
0: A ritual of letting a go. A
4: ritual of letting go. And so so while you're washing your hands, you're saying, I release you, go in peace. I release you, may you be whole. I release you, may you be healed. I release you, may you be loved and so it is.
0: Janet Quinn counsels nurses and others through Halen Works in Lyons, Colorado. exploring ways that nurses can balance their mission to care compassionately for patients with healthy practices needed to take care of themselves. You're listening to a Humankind special, Resilient Nurses. I'm David Freudberg. If you'd like to obtain an audio copy of this program and to learn more about Resilience for Nurses, please visit humanmedia.org. In Boston, Massachusetts, Marion Tinsley, a nurse at a local VA hospital, tries to follow a holistic lifestyle. To stay flexible, the day begins with stretching her spine before she gets out of bed. She keeps the house quiet in the morning to enjoy an oasis of peace, no loud music blaring, and she checks the news only as she's about to head out the door.
6: When I arrive at work, I try and arrive early so I can read my Bible. And it's not that I'm hyper-religious or anything, but um, that's just part of my morning process of quieting my day before it even starts and setting a tone.
0: What do you gain by reading from the Bible in the morning?
6: I'm always hoping for insight and balance and uh, uh, a level of spirituality.
0: If you're able to attain that, How would that affect your day? How would that affect the way that you handle your day?
6: I find that it just leaves me open. I'm not going to cast judgment. You know, I can understand how if someone doesn't have some method of calming their mind before um, their day begins that how they could be irritated If it's a patient and they are irate over a diagnosis or, you know, they've been working, somebody's been giving them the runaround for the last two weeks, they've already called this department, they went downstairs, now they told them to go back up to the other, you know, they're absolutely annoyed. And I can appreciate that. But my mind being um, at a certain keel allows me to appreciate their anger, but talk to them in a very rational tone and very calmly to find out, okay, that's what did happen, but what needs to happen um,
0: to go forward. Marion's attempt to maintain equilibrium and a style of cool, respectful communication allows her to help patients without getting drawn into the interpersonal drama. And it's an approach that can cut across the range of interactions that healthcare providers have in the course of a day.
2: It's not just about how I care for my patients. It's about how I care for my colleagues, how I treat my colleagues.
0: University of Minnesota nursing professor Mary Jo Kreitzer is co-editor of Global Advances in Health and Medicine.
2: And sometimes it's things that need to happen from the outside, and it's not that there isn't a role for leadership or for the organization. But I sometimes think we ignore very simple things uh, that staff could do themselves, even having healthy food on the unit. And so um, notoriously, if you look in hospital break rooms, um, the food that's there is not necessarily healthy food. There's a lot of, you know, fast food and a lot of candy and a lot of sweets. And so, um, you know, creating a culture where we're going to support each other by having healthy food. Supporting each other by encouraging um, each other to take breaks, and covering patients for, you know, another person so, um, in fact, they, you know, can take a break. Um, really recognizing the powerful role of attitude. So if there's somebody that comes to work um, day after day, David, that has a very negative, in fact, maybe even hostile or caustic attitude, that can have a hugely, a huge negative impact. Not only I think on the patients are caring for, but it has a, ho- a huge impact on the team as a whole. And so I think we have to become less tolerant of um, uh, sometimes you know negative attitudes.
0: Less tolerant of intolerance. Right. <laughs> The lobby of building Q on the main campus at the Cleveland Clinic. Tranquil music may be a balm not only to worried patients and their loved ones passing through, but also to staff who face their own kind of anxieties. And the very real need to de-escalate healthcare-related stress is formally recognized here. Sometimes it warrants a special response known at Cleveland Clinic as Code Lavender. Typically, a nurse manager will contact the healing services department. Code Lavender is called when staff are feeling overwhelmed by an especially crazy day or perhaps multiple patient deaths in a short period.
1: We look, listen, and learn about what's happening today with the staff and either offer services or get asked to. Uh, offer something, uh, some kind of support for a staff.
0: Barbie Johnson is a nurse at the clinic who manages healing services. It may offer therapeutic touch or healthy snacks or just a sympathetic ear when staff members are feeling saturated. In the most recent year they logged in about 11,000 interactions.
1: could be someone with a headache, someone who's upset about a situation with a patient. So we may do Reiki or massage or aromatherapy with someone sitting in a computer at the nurse's station. We don't always take them away because they can't, meeting them where they're at and where they are.
0: If something especially stressful is going on, a healing services professional will appear and tell staff members that their unit has been called a code lavender. They're then offered a wristband, which Barbie Johnson says staff can wear as a sign of solidarity, that they're under care today. That opens the door to anyone who may need emotional or spiritual support or manual therapies. Many nurses respond, says Rev. Amy Green, who directs spiritual care at Cleveland Clinic.
2: The nurses are the ones that are stuck at the bedside. So it says to the individual, the clinic cares about you too, which is often pretty shocking to them. They, they're like, you're here for what? You're here for, what? <laughs> you're for us? And I think that that message has finally gotten out loud and clear that not only are we here for you, we'll come to you. We come to you. And so I think that's the starting point, I think, for people to start registering in their own brains, oh, we are worth being cared for. We're not just here to give and give and give until we drop dead and go out in a body bag. We're actually valuable to this institution, and we're starting to see how we're valuable.
0: Cleveland Clinic nurse Karen Fink.
7: The number one thing I'm doing for self-care right now is realizing when I'm not taking care of myself. So I ran into Amy's office the other day, and I had—I want to confess, I was too busy this week, and I let my self-care slip. I said, but I'm going back. So I think that's the biggest thing is management supporting you. And I know I can walk in there anytime and say, okay, we know what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what happened. This is where I'm going to get back on track.
0: Pretty human.
7: Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, that I make sure I'm hydrated. Every two patients, I go get a glass of water. I'll stop in a quiet place, even if I have to lock myself in like a nurse's staff lounge, and breathe like five deep breaths. Um, when I go home, I shower the day off. I use a lot of healing affirmations and intentions for myself. Self Reiki, some meditation. Sometimes it's minute meditations where, you know, I'll I'll kind of take my temperature of my emotions and process it and get it out and then replace it with something positive that will keep me going. So if someone asks me how I am, I don't have to say I'm having a crappy day. I actually say, wow, it's a great day. And I'm able to be honest about that because I've kind of dealt with what I'm doing. The other thing I do is um, when I'm with patients, my brand of holistic care is that the healing goes both ways. So as I'm putting out that healing energy, I'm also filling myself up, so I don't get depleted. So as I'm touching the patient, I'm intending that we both do healing, not taking away from what I'm doing with the patient, but adding to what I'm gaining from that.
0: Nurse Rose Hostler.
1: There are many times throughout the day, I'll be on the elevator and I will take my hands and place them to my abdomen and I will deep breathe while I'm riding the elevator up to the floor or um, before I go into a patient's room. There's
0: really nothing better to do on an elevator anyway.
1: That's right. So, you know, uh, so for me, just being mindful of that, that I can regroup and quiet my mind in a minute or two by just focusing on my breath. And so I do use that every day throughout the day just
0: as a way to filter out all the distracting thoughts
1: right just you know you start to you get your schedule and see how many patients you're going to see and your day starts to get a little harried and and carried away and i'll just pause and i'll think to myself i am just grateful i'm just grateful that i'm here and in the presence of wonderful people and so i think Thinking of that throughout the day, that really helps me.
0: So even on a day of high stress, you can reach a place of gratitude?
1: Yes. So for me, it's breath. It's my form of prayer um, that really helps me. And sometimes before I even go out to see patients, I will use, we have a relaxation room here that's staffed by volunteers, and I will go and receive touch therapy. Or in the middle of the day, I can ask one of my coworkers, I am having a headache or I'm I'm feeling stressed can you provide some touch therapy and when I'm at the bedside with patients and sharing some of these techniques doing touch therapy it helps me too.
0: Nurse Chris Griffin in Aurora, Colorado.
3: And when you look at the most resilient nurses they do it right and so people need to see those models and need to seek out what's going on with you how come you can leave Smiling and laughing and full of energy when I feel completely drained, and so we have to have the models of it so that they can see it. But we also have to have the um, the support, the background, the leadership saying we understand that you're stressed and we understand what, that you work in chaos and we're going to help you through it and we're going to we're going to be there for you.
0: Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart Rose. Editorial assistance from Ken Rogers, Kathy Graham, and Mark Kilstein. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Amy Moon and Carmi, Sarah Banson, Art Cohen, and Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in Association with Connie Goldman Productions program development provided by Short Media.
4: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website, where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is humanmedia.org.
0: This segment, Resilient Nurses, Part 2, is Humankind Program Number 220.
4: The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind.